The Courts of Heaven, Part 4. Part 4, Courts of Heaven, we will be praying for four different topics. One, resetting the timing in the courts of heaven. Because we know to everything there's a time and season in God. And timing is paramount if we're going to walk in God's perfect will and his blessing. Number two, stepping onto the trading floors of heaven. Trading floors of heaven exist just as the trading floor of a job exists. You trade your time for money. We trade stocks. So even as it is in a natural, it is in the heavens. There's trading floors in heaven, but you have to know which floor you're trading on to get the blessings and to get the perfect will of God for your life. Number three, receive healing from the courts of heaven. Receiving healing from the courts of heaven is paramount. But knowing how to get that healing is even greater than that. So receiving healing, God is going to give us a strategy on how to get our healing and how to keep it. Number four, unlocking wealth from the courts of heaven. We will be praying prayers of how to unlock our wealth and how to possess all that God has for us. The promises of God are yes and amen. But we know that we have an enemy that is seeking to devour all of our crops, all of our blessings, and all that God has promised us. So God is going to give us strategies on how to unlock that wealth and prosper in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we thank you and we bless you for these prayers. We thank you, Lord, that as we come into your space, we thank you, Lord God, for resetting the time in your courts. We know that to everything, there's a season and timing for everything. So, before we come and before we pray to reset the timing, on our behalf. Just want to mention that as we endeavor to obtain our destiny, and I'm reading from the courts of heaven, Robert Henderson, as we endeavor the, up, to obtain our destiny and purpose from the courts of heaven, timing can be an issue. And I do believe God has specific timing for his purposes. However, I also believe that the devil likes nothing better than to disrupt God's timing. We see that in Daniel 7, 25-26, and it reads, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and a half a time. But the courts shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. So one of the purposes of the Antichrist spirit today is to interrupt the timing of God, as you see in 1 John 4 and 3. Daniel saw that this spirit would seek to change times and laws. 
The word times is the Hebrew word zeman, and it means the appointed time. In other words, it is a time appointed and designed and designated for something to happen. All of us have had prophecies or awareness and ideas about things God has promised us, right? We also have felt discouragement when things did not happen within the time frame we felt was right. So Saint C, sometimes this happened because we simply weren't sensitive to the timing of God. Other times, however, the devil has been successful in disrupting the, this timing. When this happens, what the Bible calls a sick heart can develop because of hope deferred. And we see that in Proverbs 13 and 12. It refers to the sick heart that comes from the hopes and dreams being dashed time and time again. And it reads, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So the saints, the devil's ability to mess with the timing of God in regards to dreams and their prophetic fulfillment would cause this sick heart. This result is that no real vital faith functions within us. Now, we may even still be serving the Lord, but the pain of really believing in something and seeing it fail again is too much to endure. We therefore shift into a safe posture in the spirit and ignore our emotions to protect ourselves from the hurt of another letdown. These moments can happen because the devil disrupted the timing of God. That which was supposed to happen didn't occur at the appointed time. And I say this too, I'm going to insert um, that I hear a lot of believers say, what God has for me is for me. What God has for me is for me. That is so true. What God has for us is for us. But we have to know how to possess what God has for us because we know we have opposition. So we can't ignore the opposition and just say, what God has for me is for me. So if it, if it didn't happen, it, it, okay, it, it wasn't meant to be. No, sometimes if it don't happen, it was meant to be. You just didn't get it. Because see, there's a Kairos moment that God would give us. And what is a Kairos moment? A Kairos moment is a small window of opportunity. Many of the blessings that I have received from God came from a Kairos moment. It's something that started small, in other words, and expanded with my faith into me possessing the promise. So... A good example would be my first house I got in 2002, God would say to me, go to this uh, open house, uh, this new, this builder is building new homes in this area. He will put it upon your heart to do things or to initiate something. So me doing that opened up the door for not those particular homes. I didn't get the homes that I went to see or look at, but what I ended up getting was the lender that had provided um, the grant that I needed to get into the home with no money down. So I ended up using that lender at that particular property, but it wasn't necessarily the property that I ended up purchasing. So that was a Kairos moment. So had I not acted on that or decided to do something different or go in another direction, I would have missed the timing of God because that particular loan officer was assigned and appointed to me. And how I know that was because when we sat at the closing table, they tried to get the loan officer on the phone and she no longer worked there because there was a discrepancy at the closing table. 
So God had appointed that particular loan officer to assist me for that particular Kairos moment. And what ended up happening was I got the home, no money down, and they couldn't reach out to the loan officer to ask about my down payment because she was no longer there. So therefore I didn't pay a down payment. It was amazing, guys. So I'm gonna keep going. So I said all of that to say that timing is everything. So what God has for us is for us, meaning what I think that really means is there's a storehouse and there are blessings with your name on it and those are your blessings. So what God has for you is for you, that particular blessing. It doesn't necessarily mean what God has for you is for you and you can't miss his timing or you can't miss the moment because you surely can't miss the moment. And then you will have to wait till that season come back around again until you can possess uh, what God has for you. So we're going to go on and according to the timing of the Lord, okay, there were to be in Egypt 400 years. Now listen to this and listen clearly. However, something allowed this time to be lengthened to 430 years. Now. This was noted in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 40 through 41, okay? And, and, and it talks about how they were only supposed to be in Egypt. They were only supposed to be there for 400 years, but they end up staying at 430 years. Now, we might look at this story and think, what is the big deal? However, people who would have, been, who, who would have seen freedom might have died within those 30 additional years of captivity. So you see what I'm saying? Some people are, would have died before they would ever see the promises of God. That additional 30 years make a difference in God's timing. There were those who would have been young, who were instead old, okay? Instead of enjoying liberty, these people suffered cr cruel, hard bondage for another 30 years. We know that we don't want to be in bondage for an hour or a minute, let alone 30 more years. So that is, timing is everything. The time of their deliverance came and went, and they were still in captivity. The devil had been able to disrupt the timing of God. This is one of his main strategic efforts. Through this, he causes a sick heart to develop when the promises spoken over our lives never happen. When we... Now, see here, what we need to know how to is how to reset the timing of God when we encounter any interruption. So notice that Daniel's encounter with God, um, it was the courts of heaven that dealt with the devil's attempt to mess with the appointed times. Now, you know Daniel waited for 21 days, and that's because he, uh, the angel of Michael was held up with the prince of Persia. But nevertheless, the promise came because Daniel stood fast, waited, and he prayed. So it's not enough to stand on the sidelines when it comes to things. You have to pray and you have to continue lead to war until that thing comes to pass. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray the prayer to approach God's courts and request this resetting of the time in our lives and his purposes be made manifest in the name of Jesus. So Heavenly Father, we come boldly before your throne and we thank you for your timing is perfect, your timing is sure. And we come to your courts and ask on the basis of Jesus and his blood 
that we have already accepted. And we thank you that we can stand before you because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for all you have done for us. And we stand before your courts. And we know that the devil has messed with our timing and our lives. We are aware that he has been able to disrupt the fulfillment of prophetic promises for your people that we carry in each of us. And we know that dreams in our heart that have come from you have yet to be fulfilled. And we ask in the name of Jesus that all you have spoken concerning to us would not fall to the ground, but would become reality. We yield our hearts before you and surrender. We want all that you have designed for us to have. Please, Lord, let your will be done in our lives and in all that concerns us. And to everyone that is listening, come into agreement with these prayers, God. We bring these promises to you specifically. And now you will begin to recite before the Lord any words you have promises or fairy or any dreams or any prophetic words. Start to recite those prayers before God. And Lord, we prayed and we are asking you that we could apprehend this that I was made for. We thank you so much. And we ask you, Lord, that the years that have been lost through the disruption of timing would now be restored. We ask on the basis of Joel 2 and 25 that everything that has been lost, destroyed, or devoured would now be recovered in the name of Jesus. And we're asking you, Lord, for the productivity of your of the years to be given back to us in our generations. You are the God of restoration and recovery. And we are asking you and before your courts for this to occur. And Lord, we also ask in the name of Jesus that should there be any legal issue in the spirit that the devil would be using to resist or resist us, that your blood would speak for us according to Hebrews 12 and 24. And Lord, we repent for any wrong or rebellious decisions that has allowed the devil to steal our promises or future. I ask, we ask, that his case against us would be revoked. We also repent for any wrong view of the sovereignty of God, any skewed vision that we've had, any area of our lives in which we have not taken responsibility because of this wrong view. We repent right now. Forgive us, Lord, in the name of Jesus for this and allow the blood of Jesus to speak for us. Any place there might be covenants with the devil, powers from the bloodlines, we ask that these would be annulled. Hallelujah. I thank you for the power of the blood, Lord. There should be, if there should be anything else that Satan would use to resist what is in my book of destiny, I ask that you might show it to us, that we might ask for the blood to speak on our behalf. And Lord, I stand it as we stand before you and open my bloodline and myself to your examination. Now, saints, at this point, just be sensitive to the Spirit and anything you see, feel, or discern. Just present it to the Lord and ask for the blood to speak on your behalf. And Lord, now, on the basis of who you are and what you have provided, we ask and decree that all of the resistance of the devil against my future, against our future, and destiny is revoked. I say from your courts that any 
and every legal right against us, according to Colossians 2 and 14, is now nailed to the cross. And we are free to see time reset, dreams fulfilled, years restored, and prophetic destiny realized. We receive it from the very courts of the heaven and move into it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And now, as we go into the second part of stepping onto the trading floors of heaven, let me explain how it works before we begin the prayer. There is a dimension in the heavenly realm we call trading floors. Okay, guys? To understand this concept, we need to look back to before the beginning of time. There was activity in the heavenly realm, which when we understand it, can help us now or know how to see things shift in the courts of heaven. According to Ezekiel 28, 14 through 16, it reveals some of this activity in this passage. God laments for Lucifer's fall, okay? So it reads, you were anointed to cherubim who covers, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God and you walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. So see, guys, here, before the enemy was Satan on, on the earth, he was an angelic being known as Lucifer in heaven, according to Isaiah 14, 12 and 14, shows him losing his place in heaven. Now we see in Ezekiel that Lucifer in, was involved in trading in heaven. Even though this passage is about the king tyrant in the natural realm, God is also disclosing truths concerning the fall of Lucifer from heaven. This is commonly understood in most circles. When you read this passage, it would at first glance seem to indicate trading was wrong. However, this was Lucifer Satan's activity while in heaven, in the heavenly realm. The truth isn't the truth is, it wasn't trading that was wrong. It was trading with a polluted heart and impure intent that made what he did wrong. Trading is in fact a heavenly spiritual activity. We know this because this is what Jesus actually did on the cross. He made a trade on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 tells us he took his righteousness and traded it for our sin. And it reads, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Though a trade we have been though a trade we have been made righteous, we have a right to stand in the presence and in his courts because of the trade Jesus made on our behalf. And it doesn't end there. It goes on. However, we are also healed because of the trade of Jesus. And Isaiah 54 3 tells us that Jesus took our sickness so we could be well. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God in the kingdom. Now the word grief, griefs in the Hebrew word is cholim, and it means disease, sickness, and calamity. The word sorrows in Hebrew is the word makol, and it means pain. When Jesus hung on the cross, which is what the prophet Isaiah is saying, 
He was actually making a trade for us. He was taking our sickness, disease, and pains and giving us health, wholeness, and wellness, receiving healing and the result of embracing the trade Jesus made for us on the cross. So you see there, there's trading. Trading is all done throughout the entire Bible. Sacrifice is a trade. When Abraham sacrificed to God, when, when the prophet sacrificed to God, that's a trade, okay? A relationship is a trade. You're making an exchange with God. That's a trade. For communion, fellowship, to build up your inner man, your spiritual man, in exchange for the peace of God, for the presence of God, for the blessings of God. So exchanges and trading is nothing new in the heavenly realm. It just depends on the revelation, how you view it, and what point are you trading from. So, as a result of trade Jesus made, we can take our ashes and trade them for his beauty. You see how that works? So, and it goes on and on, you know, all the different trades that happen. So, the church has a right to stand in the courts of heaven, guys. God has revealed us as the judge of all. This is the legal place. The spirit of just men is a reference of the great cloud of witnesses. Witnesses are a judicial term that those who give testimony. Jesus as the mediator of the new covenant defines legal terms. The blood that speaks describes that which is giving testimony. So Mount Zion or the holy mountain of God is a judicial place within which the courts of heaven function. Satan as Lucifer in this place made trades on the fiery stones, okay, that he walked. So trading is an activity in the courts of heaven. This is what Noah did when he came out of the ark in Genesis 8, 20 through 22. He built an altar on a trading floor and released soothing sacrifice to God. I just said how the prophets made sacrifices to God. So as you see, trading is nothing new, but it's, it's about where you're trading from, right? So are we trading from a place of legalism or are we trading from a place of grace? So should you desire to step in onto the trading floors in heaven, here's a prayer that I'm going to get ready to pray and you can come into agreement to see the ram open and to begin witnessing trades. So Lord, as we pray, we thank you for the trading floors of heaven in the name of Jesus that are part of the courts of heaven that you for the understanding that in these places we can make trades that can shift spiritual realms. Hallelujah. Thank you for the honor of standing in these places with you. Lord, as we come upon these trading floors, we do so in the fear of the Lord and in the awareness of your holiness. We are aware, Lord, that we only the only right to we only have a right to stand here is because of what Jesus did and he has done for us okay so with great confidence in the work of Jesus on our behalf we know and we stand in this place we also stand here in a posture of faith thank you Lord Jesus that you give us the right to make trades in this place and to secure secure from all that Jesus died for us to have and even more Lord the first thing we do is enter into the trade that Jesus made for us. Lord, we thank you that because of Jesus' trade, we are considered the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. With great boldness, we take this place and cast away any sense of unworthiness that would try to cling to us. 
And we say according to the word of God that we have been made worthy by the blood to stand on these trading floors. Hallelujah. I also say that because of Jesus' trade for me, I am healed and whole physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And in every other way, I take, Lord God, we take for ourselves the wholeness Jesus died for me to have. And we also say that we cast away all poverty connected to us. According to the trade Jesus made for me, I am rich. Lord, we enter into the wealth, prosperity, and riches that are mine, that are ours in Christ Jesus' name. Lord, we also know and we now bring any trade of finances that expresses our heart for you. We come to stand on the trading floors of heaven before you and honor you with the finances that represent our hearts, just as Noah offered the animals as an expression of his heart. We offer this sacrifice and money to you, O oh God. So if you feel led to sow, or if you feel led to, um, and when I say sow, I mean sow into whatever kind that God would have you to do. You can uh, use that as an expression of a trade. So we pray, Lord, that you would allow these finances to speak for us. And on our behalf, you receive them upon the fiery stones of heaven. Hallelujah. Just as the smoke of Noah's offering touched your heart from that trading floor, would you allow the smoke of the incense of this offering to touch your heart as well? Lord, we are asking that this trade would allow this request be specific, guys, about what you are asking the Lord for at this moment to be heard. So, Lord, we are asking for a shift in the realm of the Spirit to bring breakthrough in our lives. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to stand on these trading floors in heaven. It is with great honor and faith and fear that the Lord, of the Lord, that we function in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Number three, receiving healing from the courts of heaven. We know that healing is provided through what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? His anointing work put things legally in place for us to be made well from every physical disease. This is why Peter, in 1 Peter 2 and 24 declares, we were healed by what Jesus did for us on the cross. He reveals Jesus. He says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. This means that we no longer are trying to convince God to heal us. So we need to know what position we're praying from when we ask for healing. We're not trying to convince God to heal us. And he in fact has already set everything in place that would be necessary for us to be healed. Any struggle we now have comes from our inability to step into the realm of faith where healing occurs. According to Isaiah 53 and 4, it tells us the legal work Jesus took up on our behalf. And it reads, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So, as we have said in previous chapters, you know, in this book that I've read out of, guys, the word grief is best translated as disease and sickness, and the word sorrow can be translated as pain. So when Jesus died on the cross, there was a legal transaction that occurred. In the spirit, he made sickness and disease an illegal thing 
for the believer. Those who are in covenant with him have a right to be healed and made whole. Listen to me again. Those who are in covenant with God have a right to be healed and made whole. This is what Jesus said in Mark 7, 26 through 27, while dealing with the, the Syro-Phoenician woman as he sought healing and deliverance for her daughter. So Jesus said healing is the children's bread. When she came to ask Jesus for healing, she kept asking him to cast out the demon out of you know her daughter. And so, but Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So we even see that Jesus identifies unbelievers as dogs in the Bible. But yet we have people that worship and esteem dogs over people, but that's another story. So Jesus said, healing is the children's bread. In other words, it is the covenant right of those who belong to God. This is actually a reference to the old covenant. We know that this is contained in the new covenant and even more so because it is made on better promises. So when Jesus died on the cross, he set in place legally everything that is rightfully ours in regards to healing. The Holy Spirit, however, is the one who executes everything Jesus legally purchased for us. According to John 16, 8 and 11, it tells us one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said to his disciples that when the Spirit comes, he said, he will convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit convinces and persuades us to, to the of the judgment Jesus rendered on the cross. He then empowers us as the legal officers to execute all that Jesus died for us to have. Through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we are applied everything Jesus legally purchased for us. The one problem is that the devil, as an adversary, will seek to contend against us in our attempts to receive our healing. If there is issues in our own life or bloodline, the devil will seek to stop us from having what is rightfully ours. Just a little further insight might help you understand this. Remember in 1 Peter 5 and 8, we talked about the legal function of the devil. So it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The adversary is Antikidos, or one who brings a lawsuit. Satan, as our adversary, is seeking to build legal cases against us in the spirit of God. This allows him the right to devour us. This, def this definitely includes sickness. As I have now traveled for years, he's saying, the legal realms of the spirit and the courts of heaven, the main question and the, the contention I face is the idea that Jesus finished the work. So a lot of people believe that Jesus finished the work so we don't have to do all of this. But I want to say this. Jesus did finish the work. Okay, legally. However, what Jesus did legally has to be executed through the anointing of the Holy Spirit for us to receive the benefits. This means we must not be ignorant of how the Holy Spirit moves and operates, as Paul mentioned in Corinthians 12 and 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You have to know how spiritual gifts work, guys. So, Yes, Jesus finished the work on the cross, but it has to be executed through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If that was the case and it was finished, then believers wouldn't be sick. Okay?
So you can't say that Jesus finished everything because that's not going to stop sickness from coming upon you if Satan is, ha is making these accusations against your bloodline and against you regarding having the legal right to keep it there. Again, we go back to the word of God. God's word stands forever. And if there are curses and things that are still operating in our lives, it has to be broken off because that's the way God's word works. And I can't stress that enough. So we're going to pray. And we by faith take this uh, and execute it into a place by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So we're going to pray and um, we're going to ask God to break the power of the enemy concerning our health and the disease and sicknesses. And so we're going to pray a prayer of healing from the courts of heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we stand before you in your courts, we thank you that you are the healer. <clears throat> you are the one who makes all things new and whole. And we thank you for all that Jesus did for us on the cross to carry away sickness and bear away pains. Everything that was legally necessary, Jesus has done for us. Thank you, Lord, so much. And I also recognize, and we recognize, Lord, that there is an adversary that would legally want us to resist all you died for me to have. Even in the Old Testament of Psalms 103 and 3, you are the one who forgives all our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. Lord, we thank you that any iniquity that would speak against us, speak against me, is silenced by your blood. Thank you that your blood deals with any sin in my personal life and in our personal lives, Lord. But also every iniquity in our bloodline that afflicts us, oh God. So Lord, I, we come and lay our life down to surrender to you. Any attitude in us or stubbornness, rebellion, and, and iniquity, would you reveal to us? So right now, guys, I just want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If there is any legal right the devil is using to hold you back in sickness please let it be known before God and at this point listen look and be sensitive to anything you might sense that the Holy Spirit is bringing out anything revealed just repent and ask God for the blood of Jesus to speak for you and be aware that there may be a slight whisper in the back of your mind telling you why God will not answer you don't listen to that voice only listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit so acknowledge the sin and just repent. Whatever God brings up, no matter how small, minute, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, no matter how inadequate or in, you know, small it may be. Because that may be the very thing that's holding you back. So Lord, as we continue in prayer, we, we stand before you in your courts. And we just want to remind the court of what Jesus has done. According to Colossians 2 and 14, every accusation and case against us, Jesus took out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And we ask and decree that all that Jesus has done for us now speaks for us. Any bloodline issue that I, that we know or that is unknown is now revoked by the work of Jesus on the cross. It can no longer be used to hold us in sickness. We are free through repentance as I, we agree with the blood of Jesus that is speaking for us. And we now ask for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to take all that Jesus had done on the cross and execute it in our lives. 
We receive the anointing of the Spirit and we ask for the healing flow now to touch us and execute judgment against any and all sickness in our body. And I just feel led to even lay your hands on the part of your body that you're praying over, God. Just lay your hands on it and allow the Holy Spirit to minister. And we decree from the courts of heaven that sickness is illegal and that it has no right to cling to us. And we receive the touch of Jesus through the Holy Spirit that now causes sickness to dry up and be removed. And we declare that we are healed and free. Hallelujah. From every disease and sickness in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Jesus, for healing our lives and now flows into our body. That healing life flows into our body in Jesus' name. Number four, unlocking wealth from the courts of heaven. We will be praying to unlock the wealth of the Most High God from the courts of heaven. Deuteronomy 8.18 makes the statement that has fashioned the cry of the church for generations. It is the cry of wealth that would empower us to see God's purpose done on the earth. This is actually what is recorded in this verse, and it reads, And you should remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the power to give wealth, and he may, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It is God's goodwill for his children to be wealthy, to prosper, even as our soul prospers. So God's passion is revealed in that verse, guys. He wants us to give us power to give wealth, so his purpose might be done on the earth. Now, please notice that it is the power to get wealth and not the wealth itself, okay? You have to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying here. God will give favor, ideas, concepts, and position, but we must parlay that into wealth. We cannot see God's will done in the cultures of the earth without wealth to sustain it. God loves all people, however... What he will do on earth requires wealthy people through whom to do it. We know that sometimes, even as people of God, we are so frustrated because our hands feel tied. Because we have limited access to funds, guys. God wants to put that wealth in your hands to accomplish his purpose in his kingdom. And so that you will walk in the abundance that he has called you to walk in before the foundations of the world. So with this promise and decree, we see a paradox, right? Even though this is the desire of the Lord, we may see many in the body of Christ struggling under the spirit of poverty, lack, and insufficiency. This must be removed so the purposes of God can be done. And this today will be removed in Jesus' name. So listen, listen, guys. The Lord is very capable, right? very capable of doing a work in our heart so that we can steward the riches of this world for his kingdom purpose on the earth without allowing them to own us. Some some in the church would condemn and scrutinize and criticize anyone who would say wealth is necessary. They would even caution us to be careful of those love of money which is the root of all kinds of evil. So just to reiterate, the Lord is very capable of doing a work in our hearts so that we can steward the riches in the world for his kingdom and purpose. The devil would love nothing more than to keep this out of your hands and to continually prosper 
um, his plans and his purposes on the earth to keep people in a, a position of um, greed and, and the spirit of mammon to run rampant in this earth. But the devil is a lie. Today we break that in the name of Jesus through the power and the blood of Jesus and the wealth transfer. We decree in that today, guys. So it is the purpose of God to be seen to the purpose of God is to be seen and fulfilled on the earth. Then there must be money to accomplish it. Money has to accomplish the plans of God. Hear me and hear me well. Even the winning of lost cost money. Crusades, events, seminars, and other functions all require money. Building for the kingdom of God costs money. To be in full-time ministry costs money. Factor in then the reformation of culture and you have a billion dollar agenda. My point is, the work of the gospel is not cheap. The promises of the Lord is that he will give the power to get wealth, to see his covenant purposes accomplished. It must mean that the Lord desires to transfer his people from not enough and just enough to more than enough and overflowing wealth. Not only is this the desire of the Lord for his purposes on earth to be done, but he also wants his people blessed. There is nothing more deliberating or debilitating than the oppression of lack. Okay, so God is getting ready to place those keys in our hand. The other element that can stop financial blessings from coming into our life is the principle of the trading floors that I just we just prayed about prior to this. And we want we're going to unleash a principle here that can help us get wealth working on our behalf. In Matthew 21 through 16, we see that the story of those who were hired to labor in a vineyard. First of all, wherever you work, that is a trading floor. And I explained that in the last prayer. You trade your time for wages, which I explained. So when someone is hired to work for some, work somewhere, they are stepping onto a trading floor of that company. If you read the story, you will find the first group went on the basis of agreement. In other words, they had a contract to protect themselves so that they got their day's worth of pay. All other groups hired throughout the day went on the basis of whatever is right. And this is key, so pay attention. The group, This group trusted the goodness and generosity and liberty of the landowner. The first group was religious legalists. They labored and got what, was, what they agreed to. The other group served out of and from grace there's a difference in serving from a legalistic standpoint and serving from a grace standpoint the last group for instance who worked only an hour and got the same pay as the ones who worked all day the question here is what trading floor are you functioning on it wasn't about what they did so it's not about what you do they all work in the same vineyard right it was about where they did it from in the spiritual realm. What trading floor are they functioning from? We can function in the spirit from the trading floor and great an agreement of legalism, or we can function from the trading floor of grace. Again, it is not about what we are doing, but where we are doing it from. The end result was the great increase and in prosperity that came to those who functioned on the trading floor of grace. Just one point from the story shows the drastic difference. 
In Matthew 20 and 15, the landowner condemns the legalist, grumbling, asking him, Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own thing? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So, and you see that even in the story of the prodigal son. Th that is a classic example of legalism and grace. The son who toiled and worked for the father and who did it, you know, was working with him. And the son who ran off and squandered all of his inheritance. He then came back. Now this is me inserting, okay? He then came back. And the father embraced him. And brought him and gave him the feast and all of the great gifts that the father was gave him because he came back. Even though he didn't toil and work for any of what was given to him. But it was the grace. Hallelujah. So we need to work in, from a spirit of grace and not legalism, saints, so that we can see all that God has for us. Because if you operate in a spirit of legal legalism, you're only going to get what you agreed upon. So if you're working for $20 an hour, so you're going to get $180 for that day if you work for eight hours a day. That's all you're going to get. But how many of you know that some people can go into a workplace and because they have the favor of God on their life, they can work two hours. That has been me. God has graced me with the ability to go into a place and work two or three hours in a day because I was under his grace and his anointing in, in, in place where he wanted me to be. It was about ministering to the people. And that might sound crazy. But I was operating from a place of grace, not legalism, that the managers and the supervisors would give me favor with free time. And they would even come to me to get ministered to. So, but so eight hours of my day was not consumed with work. And I still got my money. <laughs> See how this works? So what standpoint are you operating from? So in Matthew 20 and 15, it says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things or is it, or is your eye evil because I am good? And remember how the prodigal son was so upset because the, the father embraced the child that ran off and gave him a feast and, and all gifts and all great things. When he came back, he embraced them. So as the laborers came to get their pay, the generosity of the landowner was revealed. Those who had agreed, the legalists, became upset and offended. They murmured because they, they're the ones who had labored only an hour, got the same pay. The response of the landowner is classic. He said, is your eye evil because I am good? In essence, he says, is the goodness of my heart causing the evil in yours to be revealed? Hallelujah. Wow, God is looking for those who will get off the trading floors of legalism and onto the trading floors of grace. He is looking for those through whom he can manifest his goodness, generosity, lib liberality, and kindness. And the religious have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. So now um, we're going to pray for that to be removed and for us to operate in the wealth and, and receive the wealth that God has for us through the grace of God and not through legalism. So, the guy in the book here, he's saying, okay, this is how the understanding came to him. So his practice, he said, in every prayer had been to carefully list in detail 
what he needed from the Lord financially, right? This is the way he prayed. He had done this for years and God had always met what he asked for. You know, let me insert something here. I remember talking to a friend and she said one time, if you can believe God for the hood, that's what you gonna get. If you can believe God, that's and if that's all you can believe him for is to live in the hood, God may want to give you an apartment complex. But if all you believe in him for is one bedroom apartment, that's what you're going to get. Remember how it works in, in, the, in the heavenly realm. Faith is the currency of heaven. Remember he says, be it unto you according to your faith. So if you only believe for an apartment, that's all you get. You see how it works? So let me go back to the story. He says, he his practice uh, in prayer, he had been carefully to list in detail what he needed from the Lord financially. He said he had done this for years and God has always met what he asked for. And one day the Lord said to him while he was praying, stop agreeing with me. And he said he knew instantly he was talking about this story in Matthew chapter 20. And he began at that moment to stop listing his detailed needs. He simply began to pray and say, I serve you on the basis of whatever is right. <laughs> so when you tell God you serve him on the basis of whatever is right, you know how big his heart is. That means you're going to get an abundance. But if you only asking him for a list of detailed things, and that's what you're going to get because that's where your faith is at. So he said instantly finances began to increase, increase because he said he began to pray and say he served God on the basis of whatever is right. And instantly finances began to increase. Multiplication started to come and he was doing the same thing he had always done. However, he was now doing it from a different place in the spirit. Yet that simple little adjustment in his prayer changed everything. It wasn't until later that he realized he had stepped out of the trading floors of legalism onto the trading floors of grace. New realms of prosperity began to come as he labored and made trades from this place of grace. And so now what he, he's doing now, we're going to pray because he wants to help reset us, reset the timing in regards to your finances, right? He also wants to help us get off the trading floors of legalism and onto the trading floors of grace. And as we do, we believe and he believed that the power to get wealth will be released to you. Restrictions that have stiffed you can now be removed and new levels of fruitfulness can come. This prayer that we're getting ready to pray is going to help us break that in the name of Jesus, that legalism, and usher us into the grace of God's abundance. So Father, as we pray, we stand before you in the courts of heaven, hallelujah, to ask for the power to give wealth. Mm. Your word promises that if we remember you, that you will give us the power to see wealth birth. Lord, we come first asking for the wealth for your kingdom's will to be done. So because you said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. So it's you first. Lord. And then you promised in your word that if we will seek the kingdom of God, that all these things will be added unto us according to Matthew 6 and 33. So we come and we lay out our life and our desires and we say, that our passion is to see wealth produced so that your covenant can be established on the earth. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you will purify our hearts so that we might have the right motives concerning wealth. 
And we ask you, however, that blessings will come to our families. And we ask you that you would make us a good steward of what you trust us with, oh God. Work in us so that we are prepared to be entrusted with wealth and all that is connected to us and connected to it. Lord, we realize that the devil's disrupting and timing can cause lack and not allow us to have what you intended for us to have in our hand. Hallelujah. Just as we prayed earlier concerning the interruption of timing, we repent for any place we have allowed the devil legal right to do this. And we ask you, Lord, for your blood to speak for us and remove his rights to operate. Please forgive us for our rebellion, unwise decisions, and hyperview of your sovereignty and any other thing that the devil would be using to accuse us. And we ask that his rights be revoked before your courts in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are jealous for us to be wealthy for your kingdom purposes to be done. And we yield to you and ask for mercy in our life and bloodline. Thank you, Lord, for resetting your timing and bringing to us the restoration of the years that you, that you, that productivity is now restored to us. And we also, Lord, come to you and stand on the trading floors of grace in your courts. Lord, forgive us for being legalists and agreeing with you. When we say now, serve, we say now, serve you on the basis of whatever is right. We step off the trading floors of legalism and onto the trading floors of grace. And we ask you, Lord, that as we stand here, that your goodness will be made manifest in us. Lord, let our life be done. Hallelujah. You can use to challenge others. Views of you. I'm going to say that again. Lord, let our life be one you can use to challenge others. Views of you. And Lord, awaken in me, awaken in us a new awareness of how good you really are. Let our life be a display of generosity of God personified and thank you so much lord from this time on we serve we give and we obey from the trading floors of grace in the matchless name of jesus we pray amen and amen